Well, is it? We all just said, uh, Diane said, this is the word of the Lord, and we all said, thanks be to God. Well, is it? It's, a, it's the sort of passage that embarrasses many Christians, really. A uh, passage that, well, I was looking through um, a church that I have learned a lot from and admire and looked at their hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons from various parts of the Bible, nothing on 1 Peter 3. Now, I'm not suggesting I know why that is, but it wasn't entirely surprising. Uh, it's, this, it's one of the parts where when the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 just earlier, they will speak of you as doing evil. This is the sort of passage that some people will not just say, it's a little old-fashioned, isn't it? A little odd. But some, I think, and for some good reason, in some cases, will think this is the sort of passage that does great evil and damage. Uh, so it's a very interesting passage for us to look at. Uh, you can see that there's a, a QR code there if you'd like to sort of send through a question. We're going to have a question time afterwards. Uh, the way it's going to work is uh, we're going to look at the central commands to the men and to the husbands and the wives, not to the men and the women, but to the husbands and the wives. There'll be hundreds of good questions on the edges that we won't be able to go to, very you know, personal situations. Very, very happy to talk through them after church or perhaps uh, give us a ring, we'll catch up. Uh, but we want to hear the main thrust of these very few verses uh, about our families and how they work. When I uh, spoke from this passage once many years ago, I was at a church like this, you just work through books of the Bible so you get to various passages like this. I noticed that the usual hubbub amongst the staff, no, I want to speak on that, I want to speak on that. They all said, no, you can speak on that, Ian. You know, you're the rector. So. Uh, and unfortunately, I've lost the notes. Maybe I burnt them up when I was getting counsel afterwards. But, um, it's, but what was interesting, was there, there was a couple um, who had come into the church, had been coming for some time, and they rang after it, and I went to see them, and they said, we, we, we've decided we have to leave this church. I said, oh, I mean, there's a and it's right to leave. I said, oh, why? And they said, well, we, we just can't stay aligned to a church that teaches that sort of role differentiation between men and women. And I remember we, we had there lovely people, and I said, look, my problem with that is I get the fact that you might disagree with me. And it's not as if we deal with this passage. We don't speak from 1 Peter 3 and then Ephesians 5 the next week and then 1 Peter 3 and then Ephesians 5. We don't circle around this, but when it comes up in the Scriptures... Our job is to deliver the mail, not to censor it. Um, and I said, look, I think leaving a church because the ministry team has honestly tried to hear what the passage says, has read the scholarship in various sides and tried to make sure we hear what it's really saying, um, to leave that church is, is just silly, even if, even if the minister's wrong on that. But you should leave a church if the minister just tells you what he thinks. And if he's willing to, you know, fillet all sorts of truths that a culture disagrees with, um, that's worth leaving because that's what you've got there is pretty close to a murderer in the pulpit who just delivers his opinion. So my intention is not to do that. I've been thinking about this passage for about four or five weeks. I knew it was coming up. I've talked to a few mates over the last few weeks who are ministers and I've been asking them and one or two scholars and just checking in. Um, and they say, I say, oh, I'm preaching on 1 Peter 3, and they'd all go, oh, you know, good on you. Uh, but um, so we can look at it, and our intention is to hear what God wants to say, right? And um, there'll be a question and answer time. Uh, and as I say, we won't be able to deal with the 
messy individual uh, situations that many of us find ourselves in or we've seen friends and family. So let's pray that God would make this uh, useful and truthful. Father, we do thank you that you are a speaking God. We thank you that you tell us many times in different ways that your ways are not ours. Please, Lord, don't let me yabber on with stuff that is just my opinion as an old white guy. But help me, Lord, rather to faithfully and for us to faithfully think through what this part of your word is saying to us. Uh, We know that your plans for us are good. We pray that you would help us to hear you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got a very creative breakup today. Words for wives, words for husbands. How's that, eh? I spent a lot of time trying to get poetic, but failed. Uh, here's, the, here's the words that, look, it mightn't strike you as shocking, but it would for many, many, some of us here in the building, yes, and many in our culture. He's been talking about Jesus suffering terribly, unjustly and ultimately doing us a great service in that. Then he says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. So there it is, there's the offending item. Wives, submit. Now, that's said in about four or five other parts of the scriptures um, by other writers. Wives, in the same way, submit. I started to watch, and thankfully it's only a couple of shows, uh, a program called, um, what's it called, Depp versus Head, which is the, it's not a documentary, it's some nonsense. Documentaries only pretend to be documentaries. They're really preaching to you normally. But Depp versus Head, it's a running through of the terrible court case about the terrible breakdown between those um, terribly rich and privileged pair. And, um, but what they're doing, which is interesting, because I didn't follow it closely, but I had friends who were, and they hear it day by day. But, but they've actually put the evidence side by side, so that what would have been separated by days in the, in the court. So they'll talk, what is... Johnny Depp say about that incident? What does Amber Heard say about that incident? That was quite good seeing it. And it's helpful for us to see, whatever we look at this passage, that there is something said to the wives that is challenging and something said to the husbands that is challenging. So in the end, to put them together. I'm I'm tempted to look at what God God says to the husbands first, uh, because that will help us hear differently, I think, what God says to the wives. But I think, generally speaking, it's good to follow the book as it's laid out. Wives, interesting, not women, it's not women be submissive to men, it's wives in the same way submit yourself to your own husbands. Just notice some words that you could pass by without hardly noticing. He says, wives in the same way, then in verse 7, husbands in the same way. So here we have the, the first and I think perhaps the only time when when God's word here makes a distinction between men and women, although there are men and women in particular roles, but he wants us to notice that not only is everything else talking to us together, as he says we're co-heirs of the gift of life, but he says wives in the same way, referring back to the three sections before it, which is God's word to um, citizens, how they should respond to government, to submit to those in authority, 
God's word to slaves, which was, as far as we can tell, more than half the Roman Empire were slaves. And Christianity did take off amongst the poorest and amongst women when it first started in Rome. So there's lots of slaves in the church. Slaves, how should you relate to your masters? And then the reference to Jesus, who is, of course, the example in all things, the way that he is treated unjustly and walks his way through it. Wives in the same way. So he's referring back. There's something to be learnt from the earlier parts. But it's worth us learning that he says the same thing to the husbands. Husbands in the same way. So that there's something similar that is to be learnt. They're both supposed to learn. We're both supposed to learn from the earlier passages for ourselves. So let's have a look at this word submit. I feel as if I'm almost swearing at you. Australians on the whole are not people who like authority. I think one of the funny things that is true about us is we actually expect a lot more from our government than many other countries. Probably goes back to our convict origins where in the beginning, basically, the government had everything um, and you got it from them. But we, we, we expect a lot more from our governments, get very angry when things happen that the government doesn't fix us up straight away. But we don't, we don't give any honour to government. We don't like submitting to anybody. Although we do all the time, don't we? Unless you're a complete menace. On the road, you're always submitting to the road rules. And even if you don't like it, you're thankful when you go through a green light that others are submitting to them. Right? And sometimes in this building, people come in and out who, who are much who I would honour and respect and use their appropriate titles in our culture. But when they come in here, without even thinking about it, they submit. So they don't start singing during the prayers. But they do start singing when we say stand up. And that we're constantly submitting to all sorts of things. It's actually a more normal part of life than we're aware of. But this, it particularly says here, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. It's worth noting it's a relationship that you've chosen to enter. What does it mean? Well, many of you will know the word comes, it's, 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 it's a word with a couple of letters at the beginning which mean under. It's, it's a word that really is overwhelmingly used in the military. Uh, that, that someone who's of a higher rank, people underneath, function well by submitting under them. That there's, there's points where you can argue. I've seen that on the movie, so it must be true. Uh, permission to speak frankly, sir? You're an idiot. Uh, let's change that order. But, um, but it, that's how it works. Um, it's that. So the idea is that someone placing themselves functionally under someone else. It says nothing about their inherent dignity. Our culture has got a particular obsession that if, if you do that and I can't do that but I do this, that role difference means inequality of essence. It's just not the way God sees it at all from the beginning of the Bible through. Women are to submit to their own husbands. Um, is it helpful to try to think what would the opposite of that be? What would it mean, what, what would it mean for, say, an army officer not to submit to the, uh, the other officers they should be? Well, it would mean being assertive, uh, refusing to do what you've been asked to do, probably undermining, which I think can happen in families uh, with parents, even in their children. Um, but we're called on, wives, I'm sorry, are called on to submit themselves to their husbands. Now, like all these calls to submit, it is not an absolute submission except to God. And this is not me trying to wheedle my way out of it, you know, to get, you know, so you'll all keep liking me at least a little bit. But earlier on, in this, in this sort of section, he says, in the same way, uh, for the Lord's sake, submit yourselves to every human authority, the emperor, the supreme authority, governors, etc. Now, 
So what is a Christian supposed to do? I don't like this lie. I, I, don't, I don't like submitting, frankly, to anybody. Um, particularly not to the government, which makes such stupid rules, like, you know, particularly the road rules. Oh, my goodness. Um, I won't go on about that. But I am to submit. Every time I get a speeding ticket, which doesn't happen all that often, uh, and I, as I think I should, I never get a decent speeding ticket. It's just for just, oh, I forgot. Yeah, and I'm happy to give a donation to the government. But, but that's, that, that matters because I, I am called on by God to submit myself to the government, even if I don't like it, even if I didn't vote for it. That stupid thing Australians say, not my PM. Yes, he is. You know, that's how the system works. We submit ourselves to God. But Peter has been told by Jesus that he will be put to death by crucifixion, which is what the Romans are He knows the government he's speaking of there is going to kill him. But he still says, we submit ourselves to the government. He doesn't give them the royal rude finger and say, these are the mongrels who killed Jesus and later on they're going to kill me and they're making life very hard. Hang them. They're satanic. And he says, submit yourself to it. But Peter himself in the book of Acts at one point is told by another part of the government that he is, that, that he is not to preach. And he says... Should we obey God or man? Obviously, we, we have to obey God. So at that point, he disobeys the authority. So there are points when any authority in the creation has a limited area of authority. Uh, we, we'll try, if we're not the authority, we'll try and limit it to almost non, non-existent. But Peter at times, and Paul does the same. Paul also calls in Romans 13 to submit ourselves to the government. He is also executed by the Roman government, which he, he was pretty sure was coming for a while. So it's not an absolute. There are times when a wife, and it does happen, it does happen sometimes to men, but most commonly to a wife, when they are in great physical danger. Or sometimes it can be just serious psychological danger. And there are times when they may need to move out. Um, you know, I've, I've got a couple of friends are in that situation, women, and then I've got, at the moment, one, one bloke who I think is in that situation. I think there's no doubt that if what was happening to him was being done by a man to a woman, everybody knows it's abuse. And it's hurting him, doing him great damage. Is there ever a point to move out from the relationship? Perhaps a tactical retreat and just pull out of the relationship for a time to try and perhaps get the person's attention? Yes, I think there are. There are times when that... But it's rarer probably than than some of us would like it to be. We're called on to submit. Um... And therefore to be, what he says is, if you do that, and they say, well, what, hang on, hang on, I've got a husband, what he goes on to talk about, who doesn't even know God. Like, he's in the dark. He's heard the gospel, but he's not, he's, he won't obey it, is what it says. Well, them especially you're to obey. Because he says what God may do is the most important thing of all, isn't it? Which is our great concern, isn't it? For all of our friends and family and work colleagues is that they'll be saved. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. When they see, not hear, when they see the purity and reverence of their lives. So here he's saying, even though he's just said a few verses before and has said in chapter 1, that life comes through the word of God, that's the seed that brings life, there are some relationships where the best way to help people move from darkness to life is to live and love and serve and be kind and be pure and be gentle uh, and God is much more likely to there's not a promise but that's, that's the way God's more likely to work rather than trying to browbeat them into the kingdom it's not a promise but that's the way God is more likely to work 
I've seen that with a male friend of mine. I was talking to this mate, George. He was a lawyer. He became a Christian in his 40s. And he's, he was convinced. He'd, he'd been an atheist. Well, not quite an atheist, but he'd been, thought the whole thing was nonsense. He, he became a genuine, excited Christian. And um, he began to run the case against his wife that she should be. And he's good with arguing. And, and uh, it was funny, when they were telling me the story, his wife Carol was saying, and it wasn't until he shut up that I finally became a Christian, right? <laughs> it just kept putting it back up. And he, he, someone suggested, look, Pete, look, George, I know this is actually said to women, but it's not a bad principle for anybody. So he did it. And um, without a word, uh, she came to follow Christ. But we are to, wives are to submit themselves to their husband. Now, how that looks, that's an attitudinal position. How that looks, I don't know how it will work out for you. I think every marriage is a bit like jazz. It's not always predictable. There are certain patterns and styles and assumptions. But each couple will work it out for themselves. Somebody asked me, you know, do you think Alison is submissive to you? Well, it, it's, it's not the... Well, she's here. What do you think? But um, uh, it's, it's not the word I think of. But, she's, but I think she probably is. She's more than happy uh, to, to work with me and what I'm doing. Um, I think you can often tell that someone's not submissive by what doesn't happen or the harshness of other conversations. Because what he goes on to say is um, that in verse 4, it should be by your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now the gentle and quiet spirit, both those used words are not just used of women. They're not particularly feminine virtues. I, I do know some friends who will scoff at that. Oh, we're nice, quiet, little dear little things. No, no, no. Those words are used to describe Jesus' character. And he was anything other than wimpy. But there's a gentleness and a non-obnoxiousness that it talks about here. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's hard. As I say, it's, it's, it's a heart and attitude thing. And it will show itself often by the good functioning of the relationship. We'll see what the men are supposed to do here, which is not entirely dissimilar. There'll be time for questions. Uh, hopefully that can be cleared up then, if you like. All right, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and we do it all the time. I think I've shared in the past, when I worked at a school, the headmaster, he had complete authority over every area of the school. He was sometimes nicknamed God, which he wasn't, and he knew he wasn't God, but he had extraordinary authority over our lives and destinies. The only place he didn't have any legal authority was the chapel, because I was given a particular licence from the Archbishop that meant the chapel was mine. I had authority to do what I wanted in it. But I don't think I ever did a thing in there that he didn't want. There were things he, which we talked about because we were friends, but I was very clearly under his leadership. Didn't mean I came in and kissed the carpet every time before I said, oh, dear Bob. Right? But there was just, an, he was the headmaster. And, um, but there were things I really wanted to do that he really didn't want us to do because he thought actually he'd seen it done elsewhere and he thought it was, I think he was overly cautious, but we didn't do it. I submitted myself to him. I... I I don't want to embarrass Andrew Lubbock, but you know, in, in all sorts of ways, Andrew Lubbock would be a heck of a lot better rector of this church than I am, and that's my honest opinion. But he is, he is entirely happy, it seems to me, he might go home and weep, <laughs> to function submissively in the team. I don't think it demeans him, but there are all sorts of things when he says, but you're the rector, what do you think? And, and that's, that's how things work. 
Um, and that's what he's saying. There should be some, that, that's the word that is constantly um, given to wives. We can talk about that later. It talks about beauty and it talks about Sarah. Wives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles. It literally says braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Ali got her hair cut and you know, looking good. Um, this, I didn't, she hadn't done it for ages. But, um, but I sent her a text message while she was in there saying, remember, sweetie, no braids. Okay? <laughs> so you can do everything you like but braids. Now, when it says no braids, it's a bit like saying no gold jewellery, platinum, sure, silver, sure, as much as you like. Right? That's, a, that's not what the Bible's saying. It's just giving the examples of what Roman culture did when it was, when it was really getting up market. The hair would be braided. The best of the jewellery would be gold. And they'd spend a fortune on good clothes. Now, one of the things you may have noticed about the woman in Proverbs 31 is she had fine clothes, fine linen and purple. So the Bible's not saying women should be as dressed as dowly as possible, although I know there are some send-ups of that and perhaps some cult groups that do that. But it's simply saying that's not where your concern is to be about beauty. But verse 4, it should be that of your inner self. Now, we all sort of know that, but we all sort of don't. Your culture spends billions of dollars convincing that you need this product, that they'll happily sell you for nearly no profit at all, and that it will change your life. It should be that of your inner self, the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. If you have some culture that causes you to mock the idea of a quiet and gentle spirit, well done, you are massively and totally out of step with God. You should continue to be the person who's like meeting sandpaper. It just takes a bit of skin off each time. Um, he's saying, no, that's not it. In fact, I, I was thinking this week, where are the most beautiful women in this church? I do other more useful things than that. <laughs> and as a, as a silly generalisation, I, th I think they're at the 8 o'clock service. So if you want to be beautiful, go to the 8 o'clock service, there's room. Right? Because there's a bunch of ladies there who are quite old. They're probably not going to be on the front of you know, fashion magazines. But there is a deep, for some of them it's almost a shining beauty of kindness and beauty. And I think these are women who've been walking the way of Jesus for a long time. And they are literally beautiful. And, and they, are, they are what this is talking about. And that's what the Bible says. That's what God's concerned about. Everything in our culture says, look at the mirror, look at the mirror, look at the mirror. Who is the beautiful, most beautiful person of all? Who is the shallowest person of all is what our culture wants you to be because they can make money out of that. There's more, but I'll leave it there for now. So that's what it says to the women. Well, what does it say to the men? Well, here's what it doesn't say to the men. And frankly, I've, I, there are all these stories I hear about that in my limited life, and I know I've had a limited life like all of us have, I've never met anyone who talks like this, but I understand they exist. People who say to their wives, you should be submissive to me. Now, that is the thing that the Bible never, ever suggests, that husbands should tell their wives what they should do. Husbands should shut up and pay attention to their job. So my, my sort of joking preference would be that when we're talking to the wives, we send all the men outside, right? to go and check on their share portfolio or, or whatever, you know, watch shortened version of the Matildas or whatever you want to do. And then when we're done verses 1 to 6, then we, the women can go out and the men can come in, right? Because that's what God is doing. It is not my job 
to tell Alison to submit. She, she does it to herself, is what the scriptures say. So what does it say to the husbands? Two things, two key things. Husbands, verse 7, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And that's not a bad translation, but the, the original is actually stronger. The essence of it is just two words. Uh, live with your wives according to knowledge. Husbands are commanded by God to live with our wives according to knowledge. Uh, it could mean the knowledge of God, but that's unlikely. It almost certainly means it is your job as a husband to know your wife, to understand your wife. There are many jokes, one of, at least one of them is quite good, about the impossibility of men understanding women. And they're just crack jokes. And they're kind of cheerful but belittling of women. We can't understand them because they're so silly and they're so inconstant, etc. blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, that's rubbish for the Christian. Uh, if, if you choose to get married... God has given you very clear, you are to live with your wife according, it is your job to understand them. And I heard an old man talk about something that he'd done uh, uh, earlier in his life where he, he bought a copy of Every Woman. Now, there are probably better books now, that's an old book. Every Woman by Professor Llewellyn Jones. He was a professor of obst obstetrics and gynaecology because he wanted to understand life, what life was like for his wife being a woman. It was actually written for women. But this guy bought it because he, he wanted to understand what it was like for her. Now, he did that actually in obedience to 1 Peter 3. I'm not saying you need to do that. But he was taking seriously the God-given call to seek to understand. It wouldn't have been bad if we all, if all the blokes went to the, the workshop on listening. Uh, one of the great mistakes people who've been married for some time make is that they assume they understand their partner. And very often they didn't understand them when they first got married and they still don't understand because they haven't bothered. And also people change. I had one friend whose wife left him after quite some years and one of her chief complaints was he didn't have a house. He was in a very cheap, he was doing a very important Christian ministry but very smell of an oily rag sort of thing. And one of her complaints was that... They had no financial security in their house. But he said, but we talked about that. Yeah, that was 15 years ago. People change, and particularly as they get near perhaps having children. Their, their sense of what's needed here to live life as adults, you've got to keep seeking to understand. So that's the first thing. We are to live according to knowledge. Secondly, it's one of the, this is one of the verses that people get upset about for no good reason, I would think. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives according to knowledge. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as co-heirs with you of the gracious gift of God. In the original language, it puts the fact that they're the weaker vessel before it uses the verb that the blokes are supposed to do, that is. It draws attention to the fact that the women are the weaker vessel. We know that, don't we? Was it Venus Williams or her sister? who dominated tennis, there was a silly discussion, remember, happened some years ago? And they were saying, no, she, she's, she's, why do you have to say she's the best woman tennis player? Well, because she is the best woman tennis player. And she was interviewed after, men down to 200 could beat me off the court. Right? It's just a fact that blokes are stronger. That's why you don't have many men, or many women identifying as men, wanting to play in the NRL. Right? 
There's quite a few blokes who are happy to change the identification and play there. There aren't many women who say that they're really men swimming. But we know there are some famous blokes. And he was the, the most famous one was huge, even as a bloke. But it, it is simply a fairly obvious fact that in almost every couple you meet, and there'll be exceptions as there are in all things, the bloke is stronger. Right? So the woman is weaker. He is, he is also weak, but he's not quite as weak in that area. It's not saying their capacity to deal with pain or the capacity to intuit positions or anything like that. It's just, it's just the straightforward. And it, remember, this is in the Roman culture where might is right. Roman culture was all about the glory of the powerful, the winners. And winners had every right to mock and harm the weak. Our whole thing that the strong and the wealthy should look after the weak, that is entirely in our our culture from Christianity. And as some of you all know, a number of atheist scholars have noted that. The whole notion of the strong looking after the weak, the wealthy looking after the poor, comes direct from Jesus where he says the mark of the great is that they serve at the table rather than be served. That's greatness, Jesus says. So how should blokes who are stronger treat the the weaker partner? Treat them with respect. That is a soft translation of the same word, the same root word that's used in chapter 2, verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. It's that word. So it's the same word, the same set of meanings as what we should do to the emperor. You'd be mad if you didn't honour him. You'd be dead if you didn't honour him. But even if you never see him, you are to honour him. That is, you are to treat him as one above you, more important than you, and and you're to to treat him with honour and esteem and respect. That is the word used for how husbands are to treat their wives because they're weaker. That is a decidedly Jesus thing, that your strength gives you no privileges. It just gives you more responsibility to serve. So what what men are to do is to honour their wives, to treat them like they would the emperor. Now, this is what I think, the more I've been working on these texts, I don't want to play the funny game, and you can find any number of books that will help you do this, of explaining away the awkward texts. If you don't like an idea, you can find someone... You know, he'll write your book saying it isn't true. So wives are to submit themselves to their husbands. Husbands are to honour their wives. So at which point they're both sort of, it's different, but they're both, as it were, looking up to the other person and saying, I'm here for you. I'm not going to, you know, assert my preferences. Now, you can do it in different ways. You can do it physically or you can just do it by all sorts of manipulation and chucking a tantrum and being unbearable to live with for the next three days because you didn't get your way. We are to honour our wives. Wives are to submit and they're quite different words and I don't really understand why God has done it. I've got some theories, but theories aren't worth all that much. The key thing for us is to hear what God our Father is saying. He says if the wives will live like that with their unsaved husbands, the, saved, the husbands are a, chan- a good chance of being saved. Husbands, it says, if they don't do that, if they don't honour and live according to knowledge, it'll damage their prayers. Now, you may not see it this way, but the Bible sees that prayer, the fact that you can approach, I can approach the God who made the universe, are you kidding 
Imagine if you knew that the... None of them are very impressive at the moment, but either the, the, the President of America or the President of China or whatever said to you, any time you want to come and talk, any time you need help, come and see me. That's an amazing privilege. And also when you see not just how wealthy God is, but how, how beautiful he is. Your prayers will be hindered if you do not live with your wife according to knowledge. If you think, ah, oh, bah, humbug, you know, I haven't had an affair and I provided a house, what else does she want, you know? And I've, I've met men who talk like that, you know. Um, no, no, you go to knowledge and honour her. Otherwise, well, what is it? I'll read you what it says in Psalm 66. is just one of the places that says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. If I had cherished sin. So it's not that he'd fallen into sin, but he said, okay, I know this is sin, but I'm holding on to it. If you do that, men... Don't expect God to hear your prayers, right? Because you are saying to God, shut up, not interested, right? I'm not having an affair, that should be enough for you. I'm occasionally attending to church. Now that if you cherish sin, sin which is just any time you say to God, no, <laughs> you think you know so much, I'm doing it my way. So there are, there are big implications from, let me wind this up. There's a lady, Erica Hammonds, who works at a church in Sydney who's a, who's a very fine uh, Bible teacher and I listen to her sometimes. And a little while ago I heard her tell a story that when she wasn't a Christian, came from a deeply non-Christian home and she was beginning to get interested in Jesus. She turned up at church and they were dealing with one of these types of passages that had the swear word in it, submit. And she said it almost pushed her completely away from Christianity. But thankfully she said someone said, look, it may seem weird at that moment, but keep your attention on Jesus. Work out what you make of him. Read the Gospels and, and focus on, on that question. And Erica says she was very, very glad she didn't allow herself to spin out because this was culturally such an offensive thing. Jesus says, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them, both for men and for women, to work out what does it mean for me to live um, to submit myself to my husband? What does it mean for me to have a kind and gentle spirit? What does it mean for me to live according to knowledge? What does it mean for me to honour my wife as I would the emperor if they were there? I got given a, a Weber barbecue. I'm sorry to do an ad for it, but um, uh, I put a thing up on Facebook, a source of all truth and wisdom, and uh, saying, I want to buy a barbecue, because our barbecue, which we'd been given by a member of the church some years ago, had died. Uh, recommendations? Uh, and a friend bought us a, a little Weber. And I was chatting and said, look, I don't want a Weber because we, ha- we bought a Weber some time ago. It doesn't work. It doesn't get hot enough to make a steak worth eating. You know, you've got to go. And uh, no, he said, it does, it does. Just read the, read the manual, which I'd never done. Because, you see, he needs to read a manual, right? I don't know how to barbecue. But see, with an ordinary barbecue, if you put the lid down, it's no longer doing the sort of frying sort of direct heat thing. It's, it's roasting it, which is nice if you want to roast that's not what you want with the steak. But with the Weber, I discovered when I read the flipping instructions, you are supposed to leave the lid down. That is ridiculous. For decades, I knew you don't do that. Sometimes it helps to read the maker's instructions. Who do you think understands sex and marriage? You think our culture does? Look at the scorecard. We're a debacle. There's a woman who's come out with a book recently, I know some of you have read, called Louise Perry. She ain't no Christian. But when you read her book, 
particularly the last chapter, you may well think she is. It's called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, which has so shaped us, all of us. But she just says the whole thing has been particularly bad for women and particularly bad for poor women. Right? Just her opinion, but it sounds pretty well, well researched. And then the last chapter, she says the place for sex is marriage. That sent the commentariat sort of class nuts. How can you say that? She's not a Christian. She knows she's got no great framework to put on, except that when you actually go through the numbers and crunch them, what we've been doing since the early 60s, she, this is what works. Surprise, surprise. God who thought of making you male and female actually knows how it works. And he loves you enough to tell you the unconventional. All marriages are a bit messy. That's why we need to talk. But... Um, Let's stop there with the fact that you've got a challenge, what you're going to do with God's call here if you're married. If you're not married, uh, particularly if you're a wife, if, not a wife, particularly if you're a woman, if you meet a guy who starts quoting to you, you need to submit to me when you're just going out, run for the hills. <laughs> run, right? A person who'll say that before you're married is almost certainly going to be, oh, there'll be exceptions, dangerous if you marry them if they're already into using God's word to beat you into shape. Uh, on that happy note, uh, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to have some questions. And we'll finish on a more cheerful note next time.